Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right. Well, we were having this great conversation earlier about time management, and here we are. We have all of these tips and tricks and tools and technology you know, basically more technology than we've ever had. I mean, hello, we have, you know, computers that we carry around in our in our pockets with all of our smartphones, and yet we just don't have enough time in our day, and it still stresses us out. So, Lise, the big question is, do you have a time in your day that you realize, like, this is my prime time? I have a couple hours here where... I know I get my best stuff done during this time frame. That's such an interesting question. This whole thing of time management, I think it's it's constantly evolving. It's like it's like you think, okay, I'm getting this down a little bit, and then it's like it's something you're constantly working on. I, mm-hmm. I find that I'm always like going, okay, I can do better. I can get, you know, how do I do? What do I do with this? And like you said about technology, it seems like you know that phrase. There's an app for that. There's so many like apps that try to help you like manage, you know, whether it's your time, your projects, your whatever. But then it's like, okay, I have too many apps now. Which one do I use? And I have, I'm using this one for this and this one. And then that creates even more, more problems Mm -hmm. because you have too many options. And like, where did I store that? Where did I put that? And so it's like, yes, it's like, okay, now I'm getting you know, what I thought was going to help me get organized is making me actually more unorganized because I don't know where things are. I don't know where to find them. What On that day, what was I thinking was a good place to put that? So I think it's one of those things constantly evaluating. Okay, but before we get too much more into our organization and all our tips, um, we want to remind everyone that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, so getting back into this whole, what do we do? We have more stress, they say right now, with 84% of, you know, like employees in their jobs or some type of stress or anxiety. They're having more strokes. 64% are having more heart attacks. And now we're finding through research that this really does come back to the stress in our life. You know, we used to just think, oh, I keep getting sick or, oh, I, you know, I have these heart palpations. Oh, that's not the right word. What is the, how do you say that? (laughs) Well, now that you said it, I can't remember the real word. (laughs) Anyway, my heart keeps fluttering. (laughs) Okay, that's good. (laughs) So we have to go, what can I do here? to really, you know, lower the stress. And they're finding that, you know, when you wake up each morning, the first thing that you do, you need to do a self audit and go, how, how am I waking up in the morning? And it's, it's interesting because I've been talking with several people and just asking them, 
you know, besides obviously running to the restroom, what, what are you doing the first thing? And most people, they have their phone right next to their bedside because they use it for, you know, some people listen to, a, you know, a book on their phone. Some people use it for the alarm clock. Some people use it for white noise. So since their phone is right there, even some people, it's underneath their pillow. Mm. So you wake up and you have this addiction to look at your phone and go, all right, who texted me? You know, what did I miss? That, right. that you know, that 68 hours of sleep, who's trying to contact me? Because I'm so, so popular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it really does get this like dopamine drip from your brain to go, oh, somebody texted me or, oh, nobody texted me. And mm -hmm. they're saying, don't do that. Like if that is a part of your habit, part of your morning ritual, try to do whatever you can to not look at your phone, even if it means get an alarm clock by your, you know, bed rather than using mm -hmm. your phone and putting your phone in the kitchen somewhere where it has to take you a while to wake up and, and, you know, feed into that addiction, but open your body, like engage in the day. The first thing you should do is go for a walk, do some type of exercise, something physical that we just aren't doing, you know, just that I know you always make fun of me because I say, you know, go, go do something for 30 minutes to an hour. But if it just go do it for it was an hour when I was just beginning, you said, just do it for an hour. And I'm like, you just lost me because an hour is overwhelming to start something. And you, to you, it was like, who were used to two to three hours, it seems so little. And to somebody, a beginner, it was like, okay, I can't maintain an hour right away every day. So it, yeah, it's perspective. It is perspective. But when you think of 168 hours in your in your week, like 15 minutes, but we still say, oh, I don't have time for that. I have to get going. I have to get in the shower. And you know, and and maybe if if that's you can't do it right there, you know, first thing in the morning then at least tag it on t tonight. But 15 minutes, that really helps your body from what, you know, research is saying 15 minutes to 30 minutes a day is, is what we need. And this will literally make you feel more in command of your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a time where you can, uh, you know, do your quiet time. You can meditate on this walk. You know, you want to make sure you're getting that time in, obviously, just, you know, your your time with, with God. And but also you need to make sure you're getting that physical um, for all the all the chemicals to get going in, in your body. And you, I mean, they're proving that the highest performing people are the ones that have this in their schedule and in their daily routine. So stop checking your inbox when you wake up and be productive, take ownership, you know, learn how to be more effective and more efficient in your day, just simply by waking your body up in exercising. And then as you're doing that, ask yourself, questions. What am I excited about? Or, you know, what could I do to create this kind of excitement? What, you know, optimism obviously is the secret. And that's why it's so important to, you know, spend that time meditating on God's word and getting into, you know, what the Lord is, is telling us, creating that charge within us, but also just asking, what am I grateful for? What am I you know, so appreciative about what am I committed to making happen today? 
What can I do today to make tomorrow better? And when we have this great connection with our purpose and our why, it truly changes what we are looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And it helps you to do amazing things. And did I say drink lots and lots and lots and lots of water? No, but I, <laughs> no, you did not. But you are highly caffeinated right now. And so I, I know that part of your morning routine included coffee this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm waiting for the coffee part to be, to fit in. We're like, okay, at what part in this do we add the, the caffeine? Well, well, I now do not drink my caffeine until I try to get down at least two glasses of water. And that's kind of been my, we'll see how long it lasts because I used to go immediately, you know, I would go work out and I would come back and grab my coffee during my quiet time. And now I do grab my water. So that's the point where you say, Patty, I'm so proud of you. Patty, I am so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> you have come a long way. You're you're growing up. That's so amazing. Know. You know, but you know, they do say like, if, even for your body to help recalibrate it and get it going, it's like in the first 30 minutes when you wake up, drink, drink water, drink at least eight to 10 ounces of mm. water and to just get your physically going. But you know, all these are such great, great things to do. And it's like, I love how you're just even go, waking up and going into your day expecting great things, you know, and you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you're just, you're thinking that way. So you're already training your mind and your heart and your soul to kind of go, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, on something and you're intentional with going into your day. And I think that's the whole thing. So many times we wake up and we're in that reactionary mode where it's like, I'm just going to react to the email that just came in or the text message yes. or whatever. And I'm reacting and I'm allowing them to control my day, yeah. but that to control my day instead of me being in control and on top of my day and going, I'm going to, I'm going to set the pace and I'm going to be intentional with this. And I'm going to first take care of, like you said, kind of holistically, my, my body, my mind, my soul, and get that kind of set and check for the day so that I can positively, um, you know, li live the day, not just totally reacting to everything as it comes my way, but actually taking charge. Yeah, everybody else's agenda is what mm -hmm. you're doing when you, mm -hmm. don't, if you're not being proactive. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I, I think, it, you know, it really is, you know, we've said it before, it's like that one degree, just changing something and just like, what is one thing you can change? It's like, is it, I need to get up and just, you know, get some water going in me right away to get my body going. Is it, I need to not immediately pick up my phone and, and, and see what I need to do or who, you know, like you said, just like, I'm trying to see, does somebody need me or do I need to respond to something? And it's like, Okay, so how can I even just delay tapping into my phone? You know, what do what I need are, to do? What are you going to change, Lise? You know, what I'm going to change is I'm going to be more intentional with getting a little exercise in because mm -hmm. I, I do it sometimes at the end of the day, whatever, but I think like starting right away, even 15, okay, I know you think an hour, but I'm just going to say 15 minutes yeah, or 30 yeah. minutes. And that would be huge to start off with. I think, you know, if we just start, you know, small with it's more sustainable and then work up to something instead of setting ourselves so high and then always feeling like a failure, you know, cause that, yeah, then we were self-defeating. So, you know, like just something, what is something in 15 minutes you can do or how do you change the first 15 minutes of your morning? Yes. You yeah. know, I think even the first 15 
if you just concentrate on the first 15, how you're going to start your day mentally, physically, emotionally, that can change the course of your day, which can change the course of your week. And it's a simple little thing, so just being aware of that. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going, to, we're going to come back and talk to our first guest, Randy Newman, who is a senior fellow for evangelism with the C.S. Lewis Institute. This is going to be a great conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. This is Patty Wyatt and Lisa Dernigan, and we're glad you're joining us. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If you are looking to drop a few extra pounds or to just get more toned, working out with an exercise ball is a good idea. Livestrong.com says that when you perform exercises on a stability ball, you are engaging your core and helping to shape and tone your abs. Exercising with a stability ball, also known as an exercise or fitness ball, will strengthen your core and improve your balance and stability. They remind us that it is impossible to spot reduce. You need to consume fewer calories than you burn, and then the weight will come off all over your body, including around your waist. As you are cutting back on calories, be sure to use the exercise ball during this time to tighten and tone your waist. Your newly sculpted abs will become more and more visible as your weight decreases. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, so now that we've changed your first 15 minutes of your morning, we are going to attempt and encourage you to become more effective in your future conversations. We have an amazing guest, Randy Newman, who is a senior fellow for evangelism and apologetics at the C.S. Lewis Institute in the Washington, D.C. area. 
He's also an adjunct faculty at Talbot School of Theology and Reformed Theological Seminary and Patrick uh, Henry College. He's been with Campus Crusade for Christ for over 30 years and has just been doing amazing things and helping Christians engage um, just the way that Jesus did. He has written four books and numerous articles about evangelism and the other ways our lives intertwine with God's creations. But he is the author of Questioning Evangelism, and we are going to find out a little bit more through Randy on how we can uh, have those conversations and have follow-up questions with uh, people that we're engaging with in those conversa conversations. So welcome, Randy, to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes. Well, okay. So Randy, this book that you have out. So first of all, tell us a little bit about um, questioning evangelism and what even started getting you on that path that obviously God laid it on your heart that we need to be having these conversations. Um, I, I know for me, I have a 15 year old. So as I'm reading through your book, everything that you're talking about is exactly where she's asking these questions. So I just love that you were obedient to, you know, God in, in making this and writing this book. Oh, thanks. That's very encouraging. Well, um, I think it started um, kind of out of frustration, actually. I, I was with campus ministry for many, many years, and the model that I had been trained to do was uh, where I made a presentation. In other words, I did all the talking, and I just hoped that the non-Christian would just sit there and not say anything and <laughs> nod his or her head. And, um, and, you know, that really didn't work all that well, especially I, I was always on East Coast big uh, city campuses where there were a lot of skeptics. And so I just had to experiment with trying different things. And um, instead of answering people's questions with an answer, um, I started experimenting with answering with a question. And uh, if they would ask a question, I would say, instead of just delivering a brilliant, apologetically sound, theologically rich answer, I would say, well, what do you think? Or um, what, what makes you ask that question? Or um, why do you think people believe that? And I, what I did was I engaged people in the answering process. Um, what, I, what I really noticed was that that's how Jesus did it. It's amazing how often he did not answer people's questions right away. He eventually did, but so many, many times he answered a question with a question. Mm. That is so true because we're so quick to give an answer instead of keeping the conversation going. Like you said, it engages people even more to go, huh, what do I think about that? What are my thoughts? And it really allows more dialogue um, with that. And, but we are so quick to immediately go, I know the answer. Um, and, and so that, that is such a good way to even start approaching dialogue with people. And, yeah, and uh, I, I don't want to say that we don't want to give people answers. It's just sure. that I think we deliver the answer in a dialogical two-way conversation rather than in a, just a one-way miniature lecture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, when you first first wrote this book, Questioning Evangelism, about a decade ago, you, you've now since kind of updated it. Um, and, and so what, as you've seen the past decade, of course, we see a lot has changed in our world. Um, the past decade, and even in the Christian community and culture, some of the, some of our beliefs and and just some of the way we 
we are seeing God and, and you know, with, within culture or whatever. What have, what ha- have you updated in this second edition? Well, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, the world has changed rather dramatically. So I, um, I needed to update just some illustrations that I had used that were, um, you know, more current 13 years ago. Um, and but I also had to reword a couple of places so that people would realize we're, we're entering into evangelism in a significantly more hostile environment. I, mm-hmm. I think it used to be that there would be a a small percentage of people who would be kind of hostile or resistant or um, poised to argue against us. Now I think that's the majority. Or at least I think that's what we should expect. And again, that's exactly what Jesus warned us. He told us that that people would hate us, that they would uh, lie about us, they would do all kinds of evil things against us. So it's a whole different posture. Instead of it being, hey, I got this great news for you, it's, um, boy, I'd love to ask you a question, but I realize this is pretty heavy duty. I wonder if you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think, actually, that... That does not mean that people are not responding. People are responding. It's just a very different conversation than it was a decade ago. It, it's certainly a different conversation than when a lot of evangelism strategies were formulated in our country in the 1950s and 60s. The gospel hasn't changed, but the people we're talking to certainly mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Well, I... phone is going off. That's terrible. I... I'm very sorry. <laughs> Life always interrupts the vision, right, Randy? <laughs> well, I think we were all checking our phone at that point, going, "Is it me? Is it I? Is it I?" <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's very sorry. So um, I, I, I think I updated some things about how we have to have conversations in a world uh, dominated by technology, but I'd rather <laughs> not talk about that right now. <laughs> well. Okay, two things. It's funny because I just went out to lunch with some people the other day and we were talking about how now we have our phone, you know, you have your Apple Watch. And I used to get annoyed when you'd sit at lunch and people would keep checking their phone. And now they think they're doing it, you know, in this sly way where they're just twisting their wrist. <laughs> well, they're, they're continuously looking down. And I thought, oh, no, what what is our world going to come to where everybody's just looking at their wrist now? But I, I love how you mentioned, you know, it's the posture, Randy, of just I'd love to ask you a question. And I find it interesting because as soon as you say, I'd love to ask you a question, you really are opening them up to, I want to know your opinion. I value you. And I, I wish I would have known that in my twenties. I feel like it's taken me, you know, now that I'm only 25, (laughs) just kidding. Um, But I wish I would have been more aware of asking people questions. I came in, with this, I have all the answers, I have all the truth, you need to sit down because I am going to rock your world with this love of Christ that I'm, I'm going to give you. <laughs> not the Holy Spirit, not let me value your thoughts. And boy, I wish I could go back to a lot of conversations that I had where I was out to prove, you know, that scripture is right. And here's all the evidence and I'm just going to throw up all over you. So <laughs> hmm. I, yeah. I love, I, I haven't see. thought of that uh, throw up evangelism. So that's not, that's not very effective. I, I like that term. I, I, I use that. 
I have trying used to do conversational it. evangelism, yeah. not throw up evangelism. Good, yeah. good, that's good. It, it, I will tell you, it's not as effective. So yeah, for a decade <laughs> of doing it, it's the, thank goodness the Holy Spirit works, right? <laughs> well, and and that's right. And uh, so very often God overrides our uh, foolishness, and uh, mm-hmm. that's great. That's not an excuse, but um, but um, you know, I I think. Um, before you get uh, too uh, down on yourself, I, I do think um, we are given uh, strong admonition in Scripture to have answers, to make a defense, and we do have the truth. So I, I think, um, uh, and, and then we also care so very deeply about people. We want them to mm-hmm. understand the truth. We want them to embrace it because in a lot of cases, we're looking at them and we're thinking, man, they're really messing up their lives. They could they could really benefit from believing mm-hmm. in Jesus. So, um, And so I think it takes a lot of prayer, prayer for ourselves that we would be patient, and, and prayer for trust in God of, okay, God, you're in charge of this process. You're, you Please use me in the process, but it's not up to me. I don't have to design how this all works. Um, and, and so we can be patient for delivering the answers and the reasons in a more um, uh, gradual approach, uh, a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I just remember back, <clears throat> I don't know, years ago, you know, was the method is like, you know, you see people and you should ask, do you know where you're going if you, if you die? And yes. you, and, and you, you always, and it's like, it just seemed I could never really do that because it was like, okay, that just seems so, well, kind of fear-based. And, and then it's like, okay, that's not, I'm more relational. And so, but I always felt guilty because I wasn't doing that to everybody I met, you know? And so I think, like you said, even the methods and, and, and asking questions and not being so quick to rush in and, and, you know, create this fear within people so, you know, I think it's good to have these conversations because we've all tried so many approaches. And there's been so many different opinions over the years uh, how to do this. But it's, and, you know, and we have these methods and these, you know, systems of doing this. But it really is talking about Jesus and asking people questions, like you're saying, and, and kind of going to the heart of it. Um, but it's, but there's a lot of guilt in there, I think, as believers of doing the right method with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm very encouraged, though. I mean, I've been involved with this for a while. I think there was a period of time when the, 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 the major motivation that Christians had for sharing their faith was guilt. I just feel mm-hmm. so bad i got to tell these people. Mm-hmm. And then um, that shifted, and for a period of time, the major motivation was, um, I hate to say it, but pride and arrogance. We have the answers. We are right nobody in their right mind would be an atheist. Let me try to tell you why you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that, that really didn't work too well. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but as I, as I uh, interact with people and do some training seminars, I find more and more people now are motivated because they really care about people. They're really burdened. And they see that people are really doing terrible things with their lives. And that's a far better motivation. And I think people are going to sense it. Even, even if we don't word our arguments the best way or, we, or if we have all the answers, if they sense that we really care about them, um, that will propel the conversation in some very Okay, good we're going to take a quick break, Randy. We'll be right back. 
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The American Dental Association estimates that 50% of American adults have some form of periodontal disease. Tooth loss is not the only result. According to Harvard Medical School, gum disease increases the risk of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, chronic respiratory disease, pregnancy complications, and even dementia. Signs of periodontal disease range from gingivitis, which is mild redness and swelling of the gums, to advanced periodontitis, which is complete destruction of the tooth's bony structure. Inflammation caused by bacteria destroys tissue in the mouth and can cause a host of health problems. Preventing periodontal disease by brushing at least twice a day, flossing at night, not smoking, having a healthy diet, and getting regular dental checkups is the right plan of action. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We've been chatting with Randy Newman, author of Questioning Evangelism. And Randy, we just um, went into the commercial break when you were talking about that they sense when we're having these questions with people who are not yet believers that that you really care about them. And, you know, so many times you you stop and you have this fear that I'm not going to move forward because I don't have the right format or I don't have this like perfect framework and I, I know recently we just did uh, some baptisms at our church, which we're always doing baptisms, and it's so exciting. But I had some younger students that were going to be baptizing their friends, and they want that, what What do I say? What's that perfect <laughs> sentence that I, you know, that we, we, it, we want to be perfect, so we just stop, and it immobilizes us, and all of a sudden you're in the, the fetal position. So Tell us a little bit more of where you were going with that and just that if we care about them, they're sensing that. Well, um, but by the way, um, I don't think we can manufacture that. I don't think we can well that up within ourselves. I think mm-hmm. we need to pray and ask God to work in our hearts. Um, and I think we need to um, ask the Lord to remind us about how gracious and compassionate and patient and kind he has been 
to us, especially, most, most profoundly, in the gospel, in the cross. Um, while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies, while we were telling God we don't care, um, he pursued us, and he died on the cross for us. And I think there's a lot of preaching the gospel to ourselves uh, that that paves the way for a transformed heart. But again, I don't think you can just, you know, uh, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to love these people. Okay, now let me change my attitude. I, I don't think it's mm-hmm. as simplistic as that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when I when I put together the outline for this book, um, uh, it was it was you know this method about asking questions, and then the middle part of the book is about how to answer how to how to deliver these answers to very common questions that people have. But then the last part of the book, I wanted to write about us, about how, how, what kind of people we need to be. And I put in a, a chapter on compassion, and I subtitled it, um, What If I Don't Care That My Neighbor's Going to Hell? Hmm. And then I, I, the next chapter was a chapter on anger, and the subtitle is, What If I Really Want My Neighbor to Go to Hell? And um, the, the guy I sent this to at the publishing house called me, and he said, you know, we had a discussion here. We're a little concerned about uh, the, those chapters. Uh, tell us why you wanted to include that in the book. And I said, because I struggle with that kind of stuff, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone. Mm. So I'm very grateful that they said, yeah, let's keep this. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I think when some people take a look at the table of contents, they're shocked. Um, until we until we look at our hearts, and we, then we're not so shocked, then we're mm-hmm. – uh, uh, more deeply disturbed and more commit uh, convinced that we need the Lord to work in us and transform us and make us uh, gospel saturated people rather than just um, uh, messengers of some information. Mm-hmm. Well, Randy, you just brought back an, an emotion that uh, it, it's funny because we don't want to share some of that when our heart should be in the right place and and maybe it's not in the right place and you're right you're you're writing down what a lot of people are are thinking i know when my mom the death of my mom created a friend to give me a call from being at the funeral where all the siblings were talking about how she led us to the lord and i was able to lead her to the lord on on the phone and i had another really close friend that called me and i was excited and i i shared with her the story how through my mom's death um you know she asked that she wanted jesus to control her life and and she goes wow she goes that's just amazing like it makes your mom's death you know it gives it that that purpose that she's lisa will be spending eternity and there was a pause there and she goes, yeah, you're right. It's okay if she would have gone to hell. You'd rather have your mom back. <laughs> and oh. I just thought, it's just so sad because there was that, well, wait, which one would you rather have? And Ouch. yeah, you, you don't want to think that way. But like you said, sometimes that, those are your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we need to be that honest with ourselves because then we realize that's exactly what Jesus died for, sin that bad. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we're not that honest, then we, we lose sight about how profound the gospel is. We, mm-hmm. we lose sight of the fact that we need a Savior, and we start thinking, well, I, I, I don't really need a Savior. I just need um, a little, you know, a few seminars. Uh, you know, I need to remember <laughs> a few things. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe if I could find, uh, you know, the godliness app. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just said that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe there is such a thing. I'm There's sorry. Stuff. I don't know. I mean, but I, I need something more than an app. I need yeah. God's transformative gospel power in my life. And mm-hmm. and and when that is taking place, again, it 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 just transforms our evangelism. I, I'm not saying it's not important for us to think about what to say or how to say it. I I, I think that's very important. That's that's why I wrote a whole book about it. But um, but we need to have this whole environment or or uh, backdrop of care and concern and compassion. Well, it's interesting because even hearing the word evangelism, um, I, I almost go to, it, it, and we almost have made it a project and made people a project. Like, um, you know, I'm supposed to evangelize you and and they sense that they have become a project. And so when you're talking about the relationship part, it's like, letting them know how much you care, that is so key because we we have gone right into, um, you know, just kind of going into why they need this when they're going, I don't know why I need this. I, I don't have a need right now. And we assume they sense the need. And so it's like, we're going to do this because it makes us feel better, like we've done something with our faith instead of going, it's about a relationship and it's about, it's about Jesus and it's about following that. And so can you address like, how do we, how do we make that shift from project to the person? Yeah, good, good, good. Well, um, by the way, I, I, I want to be careful. I, you know, some people pit these two things of, well, either, either we're treating people as a project, which is terrible, or, well, we just need to love people. Well, sure we need to love people, but very often when people say that, what they mean is we should not preach to them and we should not talk to them about theology or doctrine. We should, you know, we should just love them. Well, um, um, we do need to love them, but we also need to say words to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, so how do we do that? You said, how do we move to that? Well, I, I, again, I just think a lot of it is um, when you pray for people, um, it softens your heart toward them. Um, so you talk to God about people, and then you talk to people about God. That's the way a number of people have said it. And so there's something that is um, preparatory, not just for in their lives, but in also in our lives, as we pray and we have a list of people uh, that we're praying for. Uh, and then, again, um, meditating on the gospel and how it has affected us and transformed us is a very big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think... Um, this, this dialogical idea that I'm saying, a back-and-forth question, back-and-forth, um, uh, if, if we use that to really listen to people, I think what we'll find is um, a lot of people may already believe a whole lot more than we thought they did, and then we can zoom in on, okay, here's the sticking point, or here's the part that I don't think you're getting. But we, we may find a lot of common ground. Because and then we can zoom in on the uncommon ground, and that's usually the very, very heart of the gospel: that our sin is so bad that we need the Savior, and that God has given us this Savior. So I, I think it's um, the the gradualness of it can be used by the Lord to help us um, avoid seeing people as a project. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I and I think that's such a good. I, I love that, you know, just start praying for people and talking because we do err. And then sometimes we take it to extreme on either way, you know, 
but how do you find that place where it's just about a person, but also speaking truth into people's life if we really do care about them and speaking what matters and starting with our own story. Because we talk about, you know, where do I start? And a lot of times it's just our own story as we develop this relationship and get to know people. Um, okay, so I'm giving you a warning. We have about three minutes, Randy, till we have a break before I have to be rude and, and cut us off here. So just kind of a time frame. But um, how did this evolve for you? And even um, how are you seeing the word evangelism with people? Like, you know, it's like and kind of framing that with people as you're encouraging people to share their faith. Well, you're right. It is uh, it, it is not a very popular word. Um <laughs> Um, but I, 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 I don't know a better word. I mean, outreach yeah. is, is pretty good. Um, uh, I, I think, again, um, we, we look at who Jesus is and how he talked to people. You know, sometimes people say, well, Jesus was, you know, always, you know, compassionate and tender and kind. Well, yeah, not, actually, sometimes he was pretty pointed. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some pretty mm-hmm. strong questions, and he answered questions with questions and um and um, so I, I think, you know, the more we can study, uh, you know, read the Gospels and look at what he did, I, I just think it's almost funny when the man came to Jesus and said, a good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus did not give him a Gospel presentation. Mm-hmm. He responded with a question. He said, why do you call me good? Mm. And, and then he says, and no one's good except God alone. I thought, wait a minute, this is not the way to do it. Did, didn't he go to my <laughs> seminar? And... Um, so, uh, but you look at how he worked with people and and drew them along, and yeah, he started his conversation with the woman at the well with a very appealing thing of wouldn't you like to have water that when you drank it you wouldn't be thirsty again? But it was not too much after that that he started talking to her about her moral life and the failed marriages and the the relationship with the guy that she was now with. So so we need to realize the gospel has the love, compassion, drawing people, appealing to their inner uh, longings, but it also has conviction of sin and the need for a cross. Mm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, they're just, when we come back, we're going to have to take a break, but when we come back, you, it's so many questions, because even in your book, as, as people read it, and then it just kind of creates that more curiosity, just like, I, I want to learn more about this for me personally, and for how do I how do I share the, and tell the greatest story to people in, a, in an engaging, transforming way? And so you do offer like, you know, here's how to have the conversations and follow up conversations, which is so important as you read this. So when we come back, we want to kind of go into like some of those questions that people are asking even inside themselves, but asking each other. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. 
That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Now that the children are back in school, a new dilemma arises. What do you feed them for afternoon snacks? This truly is a quandary, but one that can be solved with a little planning. The key is to have healthy snacks that taste good on hand at your house. Don't buy food that you don't want your kids to eat. Forego buying store-made cookies and chips since you don't want your children to eat those. Instead, have fresh fruit and delicious cheeses with multi-green crackers waiting for them when they get home from school. Grapes, yogurt, whole wheat bagels, and low-fat string cheese are delicious and nutritious. It's protein and fiber-rich snacks that help everyone feel satisfied and full until dinner. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We've been having a great camp conversation with Randy Newman, author of Questioning Evangelism. And he's also the Senior Fellow for Evangelism at the C.S. Lewis Institute and adjunct faculty at Talbot School of Theology. And after serving for more than 30 years with Campus Crusade for Christ, he established Connection Points, a ministry to help Christians engage people's hearts the way Jesus did. And in doing that, Randy, just like you said before we went into the commercial, that Jesus would ask a answer a question with a question. Also, really good attorneys do that. <laughs> so they're obviously following this incredible um, leadership model here. But what do you think are the most difficult questions that Christians need to be able to answer or at least have somewhat of a response to to even be able to say, hey, let's let's look at that together or maybe we can, um, you know, prepare how we, you know, get into God's word together. How, how would you answer that? What are the most difficult questions? Well, um, I think immediately of three, um, the problem of uh, claiming that Jesus is the only way, the, the claim of exclusivity, um, the problem of evil and suffering, um, and then today, uh, questions about sexuality, homosexuality, uh, those kind of things. So those, those are the three hot buttons now. Um, some, some of them have always been difficult um, and always will be, I think. Uh, the one about sexuality, that's a more of a recent thing. But um, I think what we need to do is, is make sure that we are entering into these conversations acknowledging the complexity and the difficulty of those things. So when people accuse us of being intolerant because we believe there's only one way, well, um, we should acknowledge that, yeah, this is a very difficult concept. This is, this is why people hated Jesus and why some eventually killed him, and this is why... 
Christians have always gotten into trouble, and we realize this is a difficult teaching. Um, so I, I outlined some different approaches to that in the chapter on why are Christians so intolerant. And uh, so I, I, think, I, I think we can make great progress, um, but we, we need to um, – here's how I like to say it. Sometimes we have this visual image in our mind of we're standing face-to-face with the person we're talking to, and things are going back and forth between us. And what I want to try to do is um, sort of come alongside them, not so that we're not facing each other, but that we're both now facing the same direction. We're standing shoulder to shoulder looking at Jesus or looking at a passage of Scripture or looking at the gospel message. So we're both pointing, instead of pointing fingers in each other's faces, we're both pointing in the same direction at again, a verse or a passage of scripture or an episode in Jesus' life. And that just that, that lowers the, uh, the heat and the intensity of the discussion. That, uh, I'm not saying it's easy. In, in fact, um, I don't think we should ever pretend that it's easy. It's not. Um, but um, God works um, in the midst of those kinds of conversations. So um, that's one. The, the issue about uh, evil and suffering I, what, what I think I want to say when I get into these conversations with people is, you know, the problem of evil and suffering is a problem for everybody, not, not just Christians, not just religious people, but, I mean, atheists have this problem, too. And so there's only been a few different ways that people have been able to wrestle with this issue over the course of history. There's an atheist way. There's a Christian way. There's a kind of an Eastern mystical way. There's just a few other ways. And what I want to say is I think the Christian way is far better than the others. It still has some mystery and some incompleteness about it. There's still some frustration. I mean, I think there's tremendous pain. And what we need to be very careful um, when, we're, when we're discussing the problem of evil and suffering, that we don't come across as cold-hearted and, well, here's how it is. You know, here's the answer, um, which I do think is common. So... Um, uh, the, the issues about sexuality and homosexuality, those, those are going to be, they are, the most difficult. And um, on some level, I think there's so much societal pressure against us that it's absolutely impossible. On the other hand, I think, well, you know, God does the impossible. <laughs> he mm. does it all the time. So I, I think we need to step into it and go, listen, I know this is the minority position. Uh, believe me, I know that this sounds crazy in our world. But, you know, Christians have always been getting into trouble about moral issues. Um, John the Baptist got his head chopped off because he dared to say that this guy shouldn't be sleeping with his sister-in-law. I mean, that has always been uh-huh. a difficult thing. Christians have always been in the minority view. Um, uh, we, we've always been on the wrong side of history, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just this particular moment of things. Um, I tell a story in the chapter on homosexuality about a guy named Jim, and it's a true story, and it's a really dramatic story about. And he was, he was pretty mad at uh, my wife and me for a long time, but like so many cases, um, his gay relationships really didn't satisfy, and uh, he then came to faith and saw the Lord do some dramatic work in his life, and he's now married to a woman, and. People need to hear those stories, not just the mm-hmm. ones they see on television about modern family and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was laughing because uh, I was like, wait, 
somebody somebody in the Bible was sleeping with somebody's sister-in-law. It's it always makes me laugh. Like when you really look at scripture, how those stories unfold, and it's pretty juicy stuff. That if if you didn't know scripture and you were just listening in, it's you know, yeah, he got his head cut off because he told them, hey, you shouldn't be sleeping with your sister-in-law. It's like, okay, we're leaning in now. You have me on some of these uh, stories, but uh, when when I say like, what's the most difficult uh, question? Just recently, someone was asking me about you know, demons. You, do you really believe in demons? So what kind of answer, or I should say, what kind of question, because you're answering those questions with questions, would you give to them for that question? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't cover that in the book, so I can't, uh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Ha, ha, ha. All right. Someone said, do you really believe in demons? Um, well, it's always good, I think, to try to frame the question in a larger backdrop. So I, I would say, well, um, do, do you believe in, in any kind of supernatural stuff? Do you believe in angels? Do you, do you believe in God? Do you believe that there's, uh, there are some, some things that happen in the unseen world? So I, I think I want to start back there of do they believe in the supernatural? And then, well, okay, well, if there is a supernatural good, um, isn't it possible? That's a very, very important question, by the way. Uh, isn't it possible? Um, isn't it possible that there are also some spiritual forces that want to do harm? Um, I think I think when people think we're crazy and they say no, and we're we're trying to move them to, it's not crazy. You need to say yes. Um, sometimes it's very good to move through the 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 mysterious world of maybe. You go from no to maybe to yes. So isn't it possible that there are these things? And then I want to try to say, well, you know, Jesus talked about these kind of things a lot. So um, it's good to have people sort of wrestling with what Jesus said and what he taught rather than what you believe. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, um, he just has a whole lot more authority. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I really I appreciate that, how you gave us that, that tip there of... Um, isn't it possible? That's that's a great you know little trick there to keep that in your mind when you're getting into these conversations, and then to go from the no to the maybe, and then to the yes, all on what Jesus is saying, not what you're saying. Doesn't have to make it about what you're you know you're trying to convey this. It's like, well, this is what it says here. And that's very counterintuitive because we, we, you know, they say no and we, we're saying yes. And we, we figure if we just keep yelling yes louder, yeah. sooner or later they'll move from no to yes. And so it has to be a more slower process. Now, it may not be terribly slow. I mean, they may move that way, you know, in just a couple of minutes. But we have to be willing to kind of stop part of the way and see how that's working. So I think there's a whole lot of questions that we should think about. Okay, wait a minute. Right? I'm trying to move them from um, – very often when I do some training seminars, I say we're trying to move people from A to Z. Well, and so maybe we meet them and they're already at letter D. Well, D to Z is a pretty long jump. And sure, God can take people from D to Z in a second, but often it's more like D to E and then E to F in another conversation. And then we ask – 
that God brings other people into their lives. And so um, we need to be willing to move gradually, even though that is so counterintuitive and counter the way we've been trained. Uh, I know some people hearing this might say, oh, no, that's compromising and you're chickening out. And uh, there are plenty of times that I compromise and chicken out, so I'm not uh, denying that possibility. But I just think we have enough examples in Scripture of Jesus moving gradually. Again, I appeal to when he talked to the woman at the well. He talked about water for quite a while. Um, so I think we need to be willing to move gradually. I think Paul's sermon in Acts 17 in Athens is another example of, well, let's talk about some of the things your poets have said. Uh, so I, I think we need to be trusting God to work, um, even though we'd like him to work faster. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first of all, this has been such a great discussion, this um, this show, and, and and with you just sharing so authentically this, like, you know, sometimes I do get in the way, sometimes, and, and what if, and it's so just great things to think about. It's been very challenging and inspiring. So, Randy, we appreciate you joining our show today and just sharing and just want to encourage people to get your book. Um, questioning evangelism. And what's what's such a great thing about it is, is not just to read it for yourself, but to also read it with others and read it in community and discuss the book together and discuss ways. Um, I think, you know, we learn best in community and that's always such a great way to do that. So this is a great book to do that. Again, we have probably 45 seconds. How, how can our listeners find you, Randy, and, and get more about your book? Oh, thank you. Um... Well, um, you've mentioned I'm with the C.S. Lewis Institute, so we've got a, a website packed full of resources, cslewisinstitute.org. Um, I also have a website, connectionpoints.us. Um, the books are available all sorts of places like Amazon and other online books. And um, I do write a blog about evangelism at the connectionpoints.us site, so that might be helpful for people as well. Well, thank you, Randy, for joining our show. Until next time, you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio. Thanks very much. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.